It's Monday, and you're with Bob McAvoy, right here on the Semper Reformata podcast. Well, it's Monday morning, the 11th of April, 2022. This is Bob McAvoy with a regular Monday prayer cast here on the Semper Reformata podcast. It's our weekly news and prayer update from Northern Ireland. And we're going to begin with the subject of abortion once again. Going back to the abortion debate that is currently raging in Northern Ireland and the recent decision by the Assembly of the Wicked at Stormont to criminalise compassionate people who wait at the approaches to abortion clinics to offer support and help to mothers who are going in, let's be honest, they're going in to have their unborn babies murdered in their mother's womb. We're talking about the so-called abortion services safe access zones bill. Now unbelievably information has emerged from Belfast Health Trust that they misled MLAs when they overstated the number of incidents that had occurred at these gatherings. The Belfast newsletter, one of our local papers, carried a story that it has now emerged that the Trust apologised to MLAs after they queried how the number of serious adverse incidents presented to them ballooned retrospectively between two different evidence sessions last year. In July, the Trust had told the Health Committee that there had only been two incidents in the previous year and that the vast majority of these protests, their words, have been peaceful and respectful. But by December, its evidence was that there had been 41 incidents since March, an official adding, I do not believe that it is anywhere near the total number of incidents. In other words, indicating there may even have been more. In fact, there was far less. There was just 11. The Trust has now issued an apology, but the damage has been done. I wonder if this will be part of the judicial review of the law being sought by some pro-life groups. Going to Belfast now into Belfast Bible College. And the college has announced the appointment of its new principal, a leader, to take the college forward in the future. Now I had planned to do a segment on this, for I'm sometimes asked if I can recommend college training facilities for young people seeking qualifications. I actually wouldn't recommend Belfast Bible College these days, and this new appointment won't encourage conservative evangelicals like myself to do so. The new principal is the Reverend James Burnett, formerly the minister of Low Memorial Church in Belfast, and that church's ecumenical activities are shocking to say the least. Not only do they run the Alpha Course along with Catholic parishes, but they actually reference the endorsement of the Pope and they seek closer links with GAA. It's all on the web. You can look it up. Now, look, it's not up to me to tell Belfast Bible College who to employ or what stance to take on these matters, but I don't think this new principle will change my former opinion of this establishment in the slightest. There's more information on www.semper-reformata.com. Click the links in the episode notes and do your own research, especially if you're considering a course of study there. Be wise and be discerning. Last week I reported that the UK Parliament had done a double U-turn on its proposed ban on so-called conversion therapy. 
And when the bill is brought to Parliament, it may well criminalise a lot of what takes place in personal evangelism, especially the application of the law of God to sinners and prayer for conviction of sin. After all, in order to be saved, a sinner must realise the depths of his or her sin. They must mourn over it, for godly sorrow produces repentance. And conversion to Christ brings a radical change in lifestyle. It brings a life of obedience to God and to his word. The Christian Institute on their website point out that Jesus told the woman caught in adultery to go and sin no more. But saying the same thing to a practising homosexual could mean breaking the plant new conversion therapy law. Not just homosexuals though. There's a lobby wanting to include transsexuals in the conversion therapy ban also. And that lobby includes some former professing Christians, some of whom have written a letter to Boris Johnson, post-Christian clerics, including people like Steve Chalk and Ronan Williams, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, who wrote this to Boris Johnson. And I quote, To be trans is to enter a sacred journey of becoming whole, precious, honoured and loved by yourself, by others and by God. What absolute nonsense. In the critic magazine, journalist Matthew Roberts comments, in one sentence, this brings into the open what a good deal of the LGBT plus movement has become. It is now a sacred quest, an agenda no longer driven by science, common sense or by simple compassion, but by a transcendental vision a desire for mystical fulfilment and a metaphysical belief in unseen realities. That is, more than anything else, a religion. So these post-Christian clerics are pushing for transsexualism to be included in the ban on conversion therapy. So if an unhappy, hormonally confused teenager watching the media and watching videos on some of the new media channels about gender identity, if that person was to come to his or her pastor and express anxiety about their gender identity, that pastor would be forbidden by law from giving him or her proper biblical advice and counsel even if that person is simply struggling with something that they do not want and they are looking for guidance. Isn't it madness that conversion therapy bans will prohibit doctors, pastors, even parents from affirming that a child's objective bodily anatomy is the basis of their sexual orientation and gender identity, while at the same time encouraging treatments that are attempting to change a child's physical appearance to align with their subjective feelings. For example, the regular injection of puberty-blocking hormones or the surgical removal of unwanted body parts. So the conversion therapy ban will prohibit ordinary simple conversations about what the Bible says about human sexuality, while at the same time giving the green light for boys to convert to girls and girls to convert to boys. Perhaps that's the kind of conversion therapy that really ought to be banned. But then, I believe that the real objective of such legislation is to normalise homosexuality and transgenderism and to further stifle debate and discussion on these issues. 
It's important for Christians to understand the true nature of conversion. Christian conversion is not the product of therapy. Here's the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 33, question 88. What is the true repentance or conversion of man? It is the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. Now that radical inward change is not achieved by good advice or by the administration of drugs or by non-clinical therapies and nor is it achieved by attempting to cast demons out of an afflicted person. It is the sole work of God the Holy Spirit quickening and regenerating the soul in response to the word of God. Well, back to Northern Ireland. And there's an assembly election campaign in progress here. And the candidates are laying out their stalls. And there's an issue that has just come to light in recent days. A number of candidates, mostly from the more socially liberal sector of the party political range, have been declaring their interest in trialling something called a universal basic income. Now, what's that? Well, very basically, it's the idea that everyone should earn a set wage, set by the state and paid by the state. It sounds plausible, and its supporters argue that it could end poverty and homelessness. But the question is, who's going to pay for it? The question is, will it encourage factlessness? Is it a skiver's charter? Will it stop people from being motivated to get a job and earn a living? Will it remove people's sense of worth and personal achievement? And doesn't it sound just like communism? Perhaps the people who are proposing this universal basic income are too young to remember what happened in Stalinist Russia. The number of people who died under Stalin's evil regime. Communism always eventually leads to some form of control of the lives of the individuals that are being ruled by it. And non-conformists, dissidents, are the ones who suffer most, if memory serves me right. And the Christian church in communist countries was ruthlessly persecuted. I think we're right to be concerned. I plan to look into this issue over the next few days and hopefully to bring you a more considered response from a biblical perspective next week. And I'll maybe even publish the list of prospective MLAs, the candidates who have endorsed this social experiment. Well, that's all for now. Today's Grace Gem is from Arthur Pink. Writing back in 1943, he wrote, The novels and magazines of the last decade have been filled with obscenities and blasphemies. The bestsellers of today are often books whose morals are of the barnyard, whose language is of the sewer, and whose ethics are of the pit. The breakdown and breakup of civilization appears in such things as the decay of the sanctity of marriage, as evidenced by the multiplication of divorces and the abandonment of large numbers of babies, juvenile delinquency and immorality among the young, vandalism which is now so rife, widespread pilfering and the flimsy efforts of the authorities to deal with such evils. One can only imagine what Mr Pink would write if he was alive today. He concludes, Thousands of culprits who ought to be sent to prison are given nominal fines, and law and order is almost reduced to a farce. That was 1943.
Well, you can find more quotes like that on gracegems.org. Let's finish this morning with prayer. Heavenly Father, the God who created this world and everything in it, the one who has provided enough for every man and woman, today we bring before you those who are suffering. We think especially of the rising cost of living in our land. We think of those who are older and finding things difficult. We think of those who are struggling to feed their families and those who are homeless. And today we ask that you would extend your fatherly care over all your creation. Help us, Lord, in our weakness. For there are times when we do not know what we ought to pray for. But we thank you that your Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words can't express. And the one who searches my heart knows also the mind of Christ, who intercedes for the saints according to the Father's will. Amen. Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Links for all these stories are on the website, semper-reformata.com, and there's a link to that website in the episode notes. There's no catechism class tomorrow or next week due to events happening at Ballymacashan. But I'll be back in two or three weeks' time at the end of the month, and there should be a PRISM episode later this week and even a podcast sermon on Saturday coming. Don't give up. Lift up your head. Don't be discouraged. Keep watching. Keep praying. Keep believing in our Sovereign Lord. He's the one who overrules everything in this universe that he created.